So good to be here this morning, whether it's in this location or out in uh, in the, the uh, uh, computer land. <laughs> we uh, welcome you this morning, and uh, certainly great to be uh, here in such a beautiful morning. And we trust that uh, you're all rejoicing. I could hear you singing this morning, and it's just wonderful to hear that. Uh, we have been shut away. We've been uh, separated from one another for so long. And it's great to be out in the open. Great to be free from masks and all of that stuff. And be able to sing to our heart's content. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Just before we look into the word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you indeed for the beauty of this day and for the privilege of fellowshipping one with the other but especially in your presence and around your word but father as we look into your word just now we recognize that in and of ourselves we can do absolutely nothing and so we would ask that by your holy spirit the author of all truth you will come and guide us into all truth as you have promised that you will teach us all things, that you will minister to our heart's need. Pray that you will challenge, that you will encourage, that you will motivate us in the things of the Lord. But Father, above all, may everything that's said and done be to your honor and to your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I know this is going to sound like a weird question, especially in light of the COVID-19 and all the restrictions that we've been living with, but here goes anyway. Did you ever walk around the local mall or shopping center and come across a store with a large sign in the window that read, Under New Management? under new management. Usually, all the windows of that store would be covered up with paper or whatever. This means that major changes are in progress. If we were able to look beyond the covered windows, we would see that the whole place was taking on a new identity. Oh, thank you. <laughs> the stock would be changing the layout the shelving would be changing new product new personnel new procedures and indeed an entirely new look would be in progress this is what we expect when a store or company comes under new management that reminds me so much of what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things, or the old, has passed away. Behold, all things, or all, is become new. 
Now all things, or all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses against them, and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is, I believe, this is what happens when an individual becomes a Christian. In fact, I believe that this passage is the most dynamic and revealing definition of a Christian to be found anywhere in the Scriptures. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. New here is not used to convey the sense of something recent, like a brand new coat to replace an old one, or keeping up with the fashion, but rather it's used in the sense of becoming totally new, or a total new person. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, this is not a question of an individual having reformed his or her life by turning over a new leaf, nor adding some new things to the old not merely changing a few practices or habits, not even a new beginning in life, but rather a new life to begin, a total new beginning. Being born again, as you know, means regeneration. It means a new birth. It means given life. This is something more than physical birth. It is spiritual birth. We used to sing a little chorus some years ago, I believe written by John W. Peterson. Some of you may uh, remember that name. I'm not going to sing it, but let me quote, quote the words. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glory shines, what joys are mine. What wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. <laughs> There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. New life in Christ. Over in the little book of Ephesians, we see this explained. You see, Paul says in that Ephesian letter that being outside of Christ or being without Christ, there is no spiritual life. In fact, he says it this way, Ephesians 2 verse 1, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Being dead, as we know, means no life. If we turn over to James, James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, we see the process. 
Let me read it for you. James 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So James explains to us sin, which incidentally is simple disobedience to God. Sin brings forth death. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, a well-known verse to most of us, for the wages of sin is death, death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, these truths bring us way back to the book of Genesis, the very beginnings. Remember Satan's attack, his big lie, his deceit, his misconception. In Genesis 3, verse 4, he says to Eve, you will not surely die. Notice Satan's strategy. It is first to cause us to doubt God's word. Remember in verse 1 of Genesis 3, has God said? Then in verse 4, you will not surely die. Or in other words, God did not say. Notice first the doubt and then complete denial. This is the cunning craftiness, the deceit, the devices of the devil, Paul calls it, in one of his epistles. Now back to the wages of sin being death. Remember this sin that brought and continued Oh, certainly. I look. Yes, uh, Satan's uh, deception, his deception. Back to the wages of sin is death. Remember this sin that brought and continues to bring death is universal. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, we read, As it is written, there's interesting, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 
There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. This you'll remember, it says, as it is written. You'll remember that this is a quote from Psalm 14, verses 1 to 3, and Psalm 53, verses 1 to 3, and also Ecclesiastes, chapter 7 and verse 20. Paul says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's universal, this sin. Remember again, the psalmist in Psalm 51, the opening five verses, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Listen to this. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, the psalmist says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. The psalmist is saying we are born into this world with a sin nature. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just through one man, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned, all inclusive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we're born sinners. We had no spiritual life whatsoever, no hunger for spiritual food, the Word of God, no desire for the things of the Lord whatsoever. Oh, we may have raised a hand in a gospel meeting. We may have signed a decision card or even prayed a sinner's prayer. But unless there is a work of God in regenerating, life-giving, transforming power, we're only burning rubber. We're only spinning our wheels. Now, having said all that by him, way of a short introduction. I would like us to see in these verses three simple areas of change referred to in this new creation under new management. The first change is found in verse 15. A new director, new director. And he died for all, that those who live 
should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Let me ask a personal question, if I could, this morning. Before you or I were drawn to Christ, who was in control? All good husbands would say, my wife was. <laughs> who was in control before we came to Christ? Over in Galatians chapter 2, let me read a few verses there. Galatians 2 verse 19. For I through the law died to the sin that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. Listen to this. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul says, it's no longer I. I am no longer in control of my life. There's an interesting poem that, uh, out of which I believe... Uh, a movie was made. The poem was written by William Ernest Henley. And one of the lines, he says, the closing lines, I am the master of my destiny. I am the captain of my soul. Wow. The Apostle Paul says, No longer I, but Christ. Now, another question. What brought us to Christ? Why do we have to come to Christ? Answer. Our insufficiency and inability in and of ourselves. What happens when we're born again? We become new. We've just read. And that means a new director. We can no longer trust ourselves to manage and direct our own lives. Paul says when he came to Christ, he was under new management, a new director. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Are you ready for the next question? Do you have Christ living in you this morning? You may ask, how do I do that? <laughs> or how does he do that? Answer, by his Spirit. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, we read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him but he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, this is the new birth, spiritual life, the life of Christ living in us 
by his Spirit. Incidentally, that is why Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, does so in this manner. Romans 8, verse 9, he said, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many, listen to this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Under new management, first of all means a new director, a new director. No longer I, but Christ. Secondly, verses 11 to 15, new desires, new desires. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are all well known to God, and I also trust well known in your conscience. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you the opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in the heart. For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Listen to this. For the love of Christ compels or controls us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul is simply saying that in light of the love which Jesus Christ showed to us, our desires are affected. We no longer desire to please ourselves but rather our desire is to please him. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Now please look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 particularly, and notice the wording used here, it is not our love for Christ that constrains or compels or controls us. The little word that is translated constrain or compel or control 
is an interesting little word that has many meanings. It means to restrain or to put reins on a horse and hold him back or keep him on the right path. Paul says, the love of Christ is so powerful that it keeps me from doing the things that otherwise I would do. Another meaning is it coerces. In other words, it's that driving force that enables me to keep on keeping on. Even when all else seems to be working against me, my constant desire is to be faithful and pleasing to him who loved me and gave himself for me. New desires. Remember how the prophets of old described our desires? In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2, there we read of our desires before we came to Christ. The writer says, we viewed him as a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we saw him, there was no beauty that we should desire him. We found no attraction, nor had we any interest in Christ. But after he took up residence within us by his Spirit, we can say with Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 16, he is altogether lovely. <laughs> and again in chapter 6 and verse 3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. You see, we have a spiritual appetite because we've been given life in Christ. Spiritual life in Christ. Under new management speaks of a new director, speaks of new desires. Thirdly and lastly, a new direction. Verses 14 and 15 and again verses 19 to 21. Let me read those for you. For the love of Christ compels or controls us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And that he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Verse 19, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him new direction. There are many passages that we could look at this morning to see this new direction. But since we're dealing with Paul, 
Let's look at Acts chapter 9. The first two verses in Acts chapter 9. Then Saul, remember he was Saul of Tarsus? Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 26, verses 9 to 11, Saul of Tarsus. He says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. That's Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. Then we turn over to any of his epistles. Since we're in Corinthians, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Many of Paul's epistles begin this way or very similar. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. What a change was wrought in the life of this man, Saul the persecutor, who became Paul the church planter. This new direction certainly involves the 180-degree turnaround of repentance. When we are turned from sin, from self and sin to Christ, turn from the broad road that leads to hell and separation from God to the narrow road which leads to heaven and the presence of God. Notice also Paul speaks of new direction in his life. He says, he was a sinner bound for hell, but now under new management, he's an ambassador for Christ and has a new mission in life. The one who sought the death of the followers of Christ seeks and calls all to reconciliation with God. Reconciliation, as you know, simply means getting right with God. We who are sinners by nature and sinners by birth can get right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ who paid in full the penalty, the cost, the wages of our sin by his death on the cross of Calvary. What a message. <laughs> this is the gospel, the evangel, the good news under new management, new director, new desires, new direction. Now, in closing, I would like you to see 
that this transforming work of God is a lifetime work, a lifetime work. Remember Paul in his letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it or bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So we as Christians are not only under new management, but we're under construction. <laughs> as we have opportunity to drive around, even on our way up here this morning, we see lots of signs under construction, roads closed under construction. So too, let's remember for each Christian, each born-again believer, we are a work in progress. Someone said, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Work in progress. Major changes are in progress, under construction. In Springfield Baptist, we call our men's group MUC, M-U-C, Men Under Construction. Oh, I like that. Under construction, under new management, a new director, new desires, new direction. I believe the hymn writer of old had this in mind when he penned the familiar words, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus come into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus come into my heart. Oh, he goes on, he says, I've ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus come into my heart. New direction, you see. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away since Jesus come into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus come into my heart. Are you under new management this morning? Are you born again by the Spirit of God? Are you a work in progress? <laughs> Be patient. God is not finished with me. <laughs> Do you know the Lord as your Lord, your Savior this morning? Oh, I trust you do. But if not, I would be more than pleased to talk with you following our service this morning and share more about this wonderful new life that is to be had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, we praise you this morning for your amazing salvation. Thank you for your redemptive work through your Son on Calvary's cross where sin's penalty was paid once and for all. We thank you for the fact that there is new life in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, says our Lord, he's a new creature, new life. Father, we thank you for this 
great truth. I pray for those of us who are under construction, continue to keep us patient, continue to work in our hearts and lives, molding and shaping us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And Father, for those who may be here this morning and maybe have come to a realization that they do not have that new life in Christ. Yes, maybe they've tried. Maybe they've made some changes in and of themselves that hasn't worked. Father, I pray for your transforming work of your Holy Spirit to be at work in hearts and lives this morning. And we'll be careful to give you all praise and all glory. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.